BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Hey, yo, this is Big Daddy Kane, and you're listening to another hot interview on The Library with Tim Einenkel on RapStation.com. Hey, what's up? This is DJ JS1 of the Rocksteady Crew. Tim lost his voice, and so until he finds it, he asked me to let you know this is part two of his interview with the Music Box founder and creator, Ralph McDaniels, on the library. Uncle Ralph! We talked about kind of, I guess, mainstream radio play, um, and you've, you've obviously spoken about it, and a lot of people talk about it, but as I mentioned in the intro, you, you worked with the late Notorious B.I.G., and there's some that argue that if he was still here, mainstream radio would, mainstream radio would be completely different. Uh, for someone who's obviously seen the trends and kind of knows how the business works... Do you think that argument holds, seems valid? Like, I guess, how did Biggie's death change the path that we're currently in going to commercial radio play to the point we're in now? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I think that Biggie would be in the same position as Jay is, hmm. let's say. And I don't know. I and mean, this is just a theory because we don't know what anybody would have done. Right, right, <laughs> right. But, um, you know, it did change. Like, okay, let's look at it like this. In New York, there was a Hot 97, which was was definitely, you know, like unique station. You know, other than maybe like, uh, I didn't live in L.A. and I, I've heard about K-Day and I made quite when I was in L.A. But I never listened to K-Day on a regular basis. But, Let's do, I'm going to use Hot 97 as an example because I was I listened to that, and so you know Biggie was all over Hot 97 all the time. He was a big star, and radio stations need big stars so they can exploit them to the, the utmost, right. get, and that's how they get their records played. And so then maybe you know you know if Biggie made consistently made records like you know Ready to Die and you know Life After Death, yeah. It would have been, you know, he was the poster child, and Tupac would have been the poster child for that sound and that station. So those now you don't have those great artists. So you start going, and not saying that those other artists, you know, other than those two were the greatest, but they were powerful to a generation, to a group of, of people growing up. And so when they were, when they, when we lost them. You know, it, it meant a lot because those were two two big artists. You know, and that changed 
playing field a little bit. Now you got to go and get somebody to fill those slots. And maybe we maybe we didn't have it. Not saying that those were the, you just needed those two. Jay did a good job at what he did, and other artists did great jobs at what they did. And you know, you know, you, you can't tell because even who knows if they would have made another a third album that was great. You know, you don't know. Right. You know, Tupac would have made another great. You know, who knows what would have happened. But yeah, it did affect. And would it and and rate? But then at the same time, I think that radio has become, and this is because of everything is quantified. We go back to that: you need a thousand, you need a million hits, you need a million uh, views, you know, thing. That that way of quantifying your value changed the game. So now it's not about the quality; it's about the quantity. When people put up these lists of like top ten or top five rappers of all time, they're usually basing it on how many records they sold. Right. And I don't know if that's what makes you the best artist. Right. That just means that at that moment in time, for whatever reason, you sold the most. Right. And, and could... that could be judged by a bunch of different things. Like great marketing. <laughs> right. It's true. I saw a list the other day that Billboard put up, and I think it was based on like, uh-huh. not just popularity, but also like commercial artists, uh, or not commercial artists, but sales. And this is not knocking, for example, for example, this is totally not knocking Lauren Hill at all. Uh, but she was in the top 10, and I, and I thought that was interesting because just through discussions, I've never heard Lauren, Lauren Hill being in the top 10. Right, because Billboard probably, and I, you know, they'll say whatever, but... You need to have a female on the list. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> you know? um, and then we need to have somebody new, so we'll put Kendrick Lamar on it. Right, exactly, right, exactly. Like, how's that possible? Right, and that was the thing, like, Car- <laughs> yeah, like, Kara you know, wasn't on the list. Kendrick Lamar, I love his stuff. Right, how's that possible? Right. And you don't have Tupac on it. Right, exactly, right. Or even, you don't even have a, like, it was weird, Karis one wasn't even on it, and you're kind of right. like, well. Karis one's not on it. I'm not sure if Public Enemy's on it. No. But, you know, so, and you know, and it, it's funny because sometimes I'll go to the show and I'll have some young people with me and it may be the first time they see, you know, Big Daddy Kane or, you know, Public Enemy or whoever. And they're like, yo, man, these dudes are, they still got it. Right. You know, and I'm like, right. Like, they never lost it. It's just that the people that, write about it music the music business became i mean hip-hop became uh a business and when it became a business it was people that were just getting into it for the money so if tomorrow country music or some other new genre came up that was the hot thing x you know we'll call it then everybody would go, hip-hop is dead, we're going over to X. Right. And those same people that write about hip-hop would now be writing about X, you know, because it's a job for them. Right. You know, it's not necessarily a culture. And then when you're, when it's just a job for you, you kind of tainted in a way. You're not necessarily living it. You're tainted because the marketing, you know, there's some guy calling you from, you know, 
Sony or something telling you this is the hottest thing out. You're tainted by that. You're tainted by whatever some other guy, Billboard magazine said because it's Billboard magazine. You know, you're tainted by a bunch of stuff. You know, the radio's playing it, you know, 40 times a day. You're tainted by all of that. You know, no, this is the hottest thing out, man. But is it really? You know, you know, like, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. But, you know, we see it. We've seen examples of it in recent times where something was getting played over and over and over and over again, all day on the radio, and then when it came time to the, the, the single, I mean, the album was released, and it, the numbers didn't live up to what that was. Mm. Like, how is that possible? That this record that got played all this time didn't sell, like, you know, at least 100,000. Right, <laughs> you know, it right. only sold 10,000. So... You know, the people get it after a while because they know, they listen, they they're into what you know what's going on. They're they're fed certain music, and you know, after a while, yeah, some of that stuff will get through, but a lot of it doesn't. I have a couple more questions, uh, and I want I want to touch on uh, the the what you're doing with the Queens Library on as a hip hop coordinator. Uh-huh. Uh, but first, I, I, you obviously you've interviewed many artists uh, in your career, uh, and you that means you've obviously asked them a lot of questions. But I, I wonder, was there ever a time for you where you wanted to ask a question, but you kind of felt it was inappropriate at the time, but then you later realized that it wasn't? And then who, out of all the people you've interviewed, has there someone that you, who, is there an ideal interview you would you would want to have? Yeah, I've, I've interviewed tons of people, and 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 you know, especially in the beginning of hip hop. One thing about like Video Music Box is that we usually get the interviews before they're they're known. Mm. They're really you know popular yet, and and in the eighties and nineties, you know, like that could go that that unknown period outside of like the immediate hip hop community could go for you know, a year or two. Now it's a little shorter, the time period, because there's much more ways to get music out there. But, yeah, there's been plenty of interviews that I've done that, um, you know, we've, you know, the artist was just not ready. Mm. You know, they were just not ready at all. (laughs) And they said stuff that could probably get themselves, you know, in trouble in some way, shape, or form. And we just like said, you know, now nah, we're not going to, you know, put him up, let him go up like that. Right. And we might have edited it out. And, um, you know, and I remember when, like, the shock jock time came around, like the, you know, the controversial, like the Wendy Williams type interviews or Star and Book Wow, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, other jocks that were like that, that they were just looking for controversy because controversy sells. And you hear what this person said? And and I would be saying to myself, I wouldn't even put that out because it just made the artist look crazy just now. Right. And, but that was out the window now because it doesn't matter what the artist looks like. It matters if the people are listening, right. you know, on the radio. So, you know, we'll make you look crazy just to sell ads and that's all we care about and um 
and I was never really with that. Like, it irritated me, you know, because it just made the culture look bad, you know, outside of the hip-hop community. In the hip-hop community, it was all right, okay, fine. But outside the hip-hop community, it just bothered me that that, you know, a jock in, you know, in Queens, I mean, in, in, in New York or in, you know, San Francisco or, you know, L.A., would let a dude from their, from their hood go out like that, right. you know? And so that, that really irked me. Um, now, you know, it's a little bit more controlled. People are paying attention. You got a publicist there. Before, back in days, it was like, you know, dude just showed up, you know, right. by himself. And, you know, he might have, you know, been hanging out. He might have been smoking and drinking before he got there. Or he just might have just been, I don't care, I'm going to say whatever I feel. And, you know, like, dude, you just, like, insulted, like, mad people. <laughs> That's what you just said. You know, like, are you sure you want to say that? And he's like, no, you're right, yeah. All right, so let's do it. You know, so, but now it's different. You know, there's somebody there saying, like, look, don't ask them about this. Don't talk about that. There's a little bit of prepping that's going along before it. And so, um, and the second part of it is, yeah, um, I've interviewed a lot of people. Um, I've never really interviewed Dr. Dre. I've done some stuff where I've had to interview him, but for some others, like a specific thing, mm-hmm. but not for, uh, um, you know, any type of, you know, project that I was, you know, specifically working on or that was mine. And so, He's an interesting, interesting guy, and um, you know I find him to be interesting. Um, and I never interviewed Drake, um, and so that would be kind of interesting to me, I imagine. But anything else in between, I believe that I've done it. You know, from you know R&B singers to you know I, I imagine like back in the days, like you know like. Bob Marley, you know, would have been an interesting interview in his perspective on the world. And, you know, or, uh, you know, I can't think of too many people that I haven't. I mean, I've interviewed Stevie Wonder, which was, you know, just like incredible to me, you know. And and I got so much insight, you know, because I'm a fan of the music. Right. Then he started talking, and, and, and I started, once he started talking to me I really got became a fan of the music but he just took it a step deeper and really blew my mind by what those words what I thought those words meant and he told me what it really meant (laughs) (laughs) so I think that you know you want to know how you know it's like just talking to anybody you know you're having a good conversation and when you get an even better conversation than you expected it's it's a gift, and um, because you know you, you know you try not to have any expectations, but you do on people. You know you think that oh they're going to say this, or they're going to probably oh, I'm going to ask him about this because you know I know he wants to talk about this, and they may not want to talk about that at all. You know, <laughs> and you know, and and that's okay. You know, you, you just continue to keep on. The, the most important thing I tell people as, as in being a, a person that interviews people is that think about the audience as much as you can because we're just the conduit between that artist and the audience. Don't
don't let your personality take over mm. the uh, the interview. And some people have great personalities, and it's okay, and it works. Some most people don't. And so let the artist say what they're going to say. And sometimes the artist is whack, right. you know. So you have to be, you have to bring in your personality and make it entertaining. Um, and you know, just but be aware of it, you know, and let it. The best thing is when you got a great artist and he's flowing, and let him go, let him do what he does and talk, or she do what he does, she what she does, and let them let them go and do you know do their thing, you know. And that's it. True. I remember on that point. I remember interviewing a couple uh, a month ago. I interviewed Scarface on his new album. And I had all these questions about like, you know, every song because as a fan and lyrically, it's, he's pretty, you know, he's incredible. He's like the guy who, like I said, he's like, he's the guy who makes you believe everything he's saying in his lyrics. And then he, um, so I had all these questions like, you know, track by track by track. And I started to ask him about, you know, what did you mean? And then he said, wait, wait, he's like, you're going to ask me about like, you know, specifics. He's like, I just write from my heart. And in my mind, I was like freaking out because I was like, holy crap. He's like, eight of my questions are out the window. But then I realized like, <laughs> I mean, he just said, but he said so much by saying, I mean, he went in a little more deeper about like what he meant by writing from his heart and putting it, you know, but you know, but, but he said so much and it was one of those moments where I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not the highlight of this interview. He's the highlight of the interview. Uh, let me just say yeah. what he's saying. Yeah. And then and you were able to, you know, to just adjust. Right. You know, okay, got it. So let's talk about that. Right, exactly. What does that mean? You know, you know. So, yeah. Uh, Ruffy Daniels, I just want to, you know, touch on one more thing. Uh, you know, you recently joined the Queens Library as hip hop coordinator. Uh, can you talk more about what that this means, and then kind of what's your ultimate goal as the hip hop coordinator in the Queens Library? Uh, well, yeah, I just came on as the uh, hip hop coordinator, which is a job in a department that didn't exist at all prior to, you know, a week ago. And, um, you know, they've done hip-hop programming at the Queens Library and I'm sure other libraries within, within the in New York City system. And I was been, I've been involved with them since, like, the last uh, about three years. And, you know, came and spoke and did some presentations and different things like that. And so, you know... They came to me and said they had this position. Do you think? Do you know anybody that would might want to be involved in taking it? And I said, you know what? I might be involved, interested in taking it. And so they were like, really? And I was like, yeah. And so, and the reason why is because I didn't want someone to get, you know, somebody who might be, you know, fit into the system and they might know the hip hop, you know. And I, I just felt like I wanted to make sure that it was right and that we got it right the first time. At least we got a good foundation on how this thing would start off. And I think that, um, I, I, I talk about it all the time with, how, you know, why doesn't this, you know, museum hire a, a guy, you know, from the past that's been, that was there and, you know, they may not be, you know, the, the, the best at articulating what is needed, but they know the exact history. Right. And they'll get it right. And let's do that, you know. And so I wanted to take the position because of that. I said, look, man, 
look, I just barely got out of college, dude. I'm not no scholar in any way, shape, or form. You know, <laughs> you know, because you, you now you amongst librarians. You know, you, you, I'm like in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, so these people like read books all the time. You know, so I'm like, <laughs> like, you know, I gotta send an email. I gotta be definitely get it grammatically correct. But I'm, whatever I'm putting out now, yeah. so there's a little intimidation in, yeah. in the back of my mind. But you know, I'm like, whatever. Yeah, you're talking to you're talking to a librarian's son. So, yep, I know about her. My mom oh, reading all okay. the time. My mom reads all the time. <laughs> so, so you know, so I'm like, okay, all good. But you know, we gonna make it hip hop. We done been in situations where it's the first for, for almost all the time. So, you so you know, this is an institution that's you know, young people. Everybody that's from the librarians to the people, the young people that go there, have been influenced by hip hop at this stage of the game. And in some way, shape, or form. And so, you know, I was I thought it was important that I take on that position and you know, and they were like, We want you, let's do it. So we agreed. And um so now my thing is, um from a Queens New York perspective is to of course get most of their uh archives and a timeline of Queens and the best we can from people that were there and people that were experiencing this whole thing. Mm. So we want to get all of these people together and make sure that um, we try to get the best timeline that we can for Queens. And Queens has a, a, a great, you know, history with hip hop. You know, if you, you know, want to you know go back to let's say let's start let's say we'll say let's start at run dmc mm -hmm. and and it goes before that but let's just start at run dmc and say you know from run dmc to um you know nas to um 50 cents to you know all these artists the lost boys Pharrell march all these different people that you know were in that area and have been successful ll and they have been successful and made, you know, tons of money, you know, and, you know, left their mark. Now we want to say, okay, let's fill in the blanks. We know who the big stars are, but there was somebody that was, who influenced LL, and there was somebody that influenced Run DMC, and there was somebody that influenced 50 Cent. You know, Jam Master J, you know, was 50, signed 50 Cent first, you know, all of these things people don't know, or if they do know, they might not remember 20 years or 30 years from now. So let's create a timeline that has all of this there and try to bring in some archives, either audio or video or physical things that um, support that timeline and support what Queens was all about. Now, it's not only about Queens because... Now we know what Queens did, and now we know we're getting a better idea of what was going on now around the rest of the city. So we want to get see how it fits into the entire hip-hop scene, at least in New York, and then across the rest of the world, you know, because there was, it wasn't just happening in New York. It was now happening. It was happening in, 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 in L.A. It was happening in different places. And what was influencing it before? I'm a dude that came before hip-hop. Mm -hmm. you know, the word hip-hop. And so there were things that were going on, you know, that technically used the same concepts before the word hip-hop existed. So 
what were those things? Who's in, who are the, the players in that? And so there's a place for young people to go. And it's unique because it's in a system. Queens Library System is 65 different libraries, so 65 different communities. And so, you know, you'll be able to access that in all of those 65 different libraries. And, you know, and potentially I'm sure there is some kind of connection to the rest of the libraries and the rest of the world. So it's not just about Queens. It's going it, to, it's important to me to make sure that we get Queens because that's where it's located at and get the history of Queens. Um, but it's also about hip hop and how it, you know, it, 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 it is, um, it connects to the rest of the world. And so that young people can understand, because some people don't, they never leave Queens. Right. There's a 30 year old person that's, he's never been outside of, you know, Queens. <laughs> and so <laughs> he doesn't realize that this is going on in Brooklyn. This is going on in the Bronx. This is going on in Jersey. This is going on in Africa. This is going on in Russia. He don't even know that. Right. Wow. So we want to be able to open that up to him as well as vice versa. That a kid in Russia understands, well, what's Queens? You know, so that he can get, oh, really? This is where LL came from. Oh, this is where 50 Cent came from. Oh, I didn't know that. I took it, you know, just New York. I didn't know right. it was broken down like that. Yeah. Is there a way for us to kind of follow the, the, I guess, the progress of what you're doing with the Queens Library? Yeah, well, I'm only there. I'm literally there a week oh. <laughs> today, and so um, I'm right now just getting familiar with how they do what they do already, not just hip hop, but just in general and and how they archive things. So I'm getting familiar with the system so that you know, because I have to work with what we have right now, and then if I have to bring in and input different stuff to make all this work you know then i'll you know be working on that so but i think by the beginning of the year we'll start to see the progression of it by january and um right now i'm just getting familiar with everything you know we have a hip-hop program that's going on right now um and you know it's uh in, in the in celebration of um hip-hop appreciation or hip-hop month whatever they call it and so it's going on right now. So, um, you know, we're dealing with fashion people. We got the guys from FUBU who grew up in Queens. Damon John, who's on Shark Tank. Mm. He's a Queens guy, you know, but he was making clothes for, you know, his neighborhood, which was that swag. And that's also, you know, like it's not an element of hip-hop, but it's it's an important part of that, you know, of hip-hop, right. you know. You know, wearing the right sneakers, the T-shirt, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So Damon John is a guy who saw an opportunity in that, and that became his lane, you know. And he started giving his shirts to 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 uh, to LL, and then LL, you know, kind of co-signed on it. And the big story is when LL did the Gap commercial, he mentioned Fubu in the in the rap, yeah, you know, like, that's the great us, by us, you know. I remember that was a great that was a great moment. I remember that, that was all awesome. right. Yeah, and. And the gap didn't even know it. I know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And but for it, it, it validated the gap, and it worked crazy for Fubu. Right. So you know, it it, it it worked in both ends. But the creativity and the balls 
of LL to even do that, and he knew because he probably said they don't even know. No, right? Because <laughs> you know everybody else was, I can't say that. Like that, that. I was like, yeah, right. They don't even know. And that's the crazy thing because I was, I think I was, I mean, I was either sixth or seventh grade when that happens and all my friends knew. So I was like, what the, hell? you know, and you have like these CEOs at the Gap who don't know, which is. Right, right. You know, of... so, you know, it's, there's all of this, you know, crazy stories and history. And the thing about hip hop is that um, it's still new in a sense. So, you know, there's been things, there are some stories that are, you know, or just kind of like somebody said it and everybody believed it, you know. And so it was like, well, wait a minute, did that really happen? Mm. Or did it, you know, it's just, what were the actual facts? So we want to try and get the actual facts, you know, for this particular thing. Some things have been exaggerated. Some things just didn't happen at all. <laughs> but somebody said it was, well, so, okay, we believe that it happened. And I wasn't there. So I, you know, it's not like the social media now, like there's a camera everywhere. Right. You know, so, you know, you said it, it happened back in, you know, in 79, you know? So we're just trying to get the facts down and put together a nice little team of people that represent different eras and represent all of Queens, you know, you know, not just uh, Jamaica, you know, Flushing, um, Long Island City, quite obviously Molly Mall and the whole movement out of the bridge is very important for hip hop. Um, but there's all areas of Queens. Astoria, Kid Play, come out of that area. Um, you name it. There's something in every community. Somehow, some way, a DJ or some guy that produced records or something that it can probably go to each one of those 65 different areas that the Queens Library uh, represents. So, um, and it's not a, a, a black thing. It's not a you know. It's it's it's, it's just whoever was down mm. and whoever was doing things, you know, and we want to know how those areas, who was from this area. We don't know anybody from that area. It's got to be somebody that came from, you know, Bayside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that had something to do with something. Oh, well, there was a studio. Oh, wait a minute. I think that's where Kid and Play recorded most of their records. At. Okay, that's what we want to know. Nice. So, and so I'm Pepper, you know? Right. So, all the, we just want to get all the information and put it in some type of database that now somebody can go through and look at it year by year and say, "Hey, this is it." He's the he's the great Ralph McDaniel's. He's now the hip hop coordinator at the Queens Library for the Queens Library. I'm sorry, creator and host of Video Music Box, Ralph McDaniel's. Thanks so much for joining me on the Library with Tim Ine and Kel on RapStation.com. Thanks, bro. Good to hear from you, and we'll talk soon. It says, "I was just walking down the street, looking forward to seeing the friends I was to meet." Yet what happened so tragically really makes for no sense at all. Suddenly two guys confronted me, saying I was on the wrong turf angrily. They said their colors were black, I was wearing gray. I started to turn to go back, they up and blew me away. Hmm. My love is with you wherever you are, my love is with you wherever you are, and it repeats that over. Then it says, though my life they've taken, they can't take what we've shared. Spread the love I've given, and I'll be there. Um... It's a very hard thing for people to, to maybe it sounds, uh, for me to talk about it when we are in a pleasant environment as, as being here. Mm -hmm. But the reality is That's that, uh, um, that um, 
my younger brothers and sisters of my family and those of you that are watching, we have to understand that life is not television. Life is not movie. Life is real. Um, if someone is killed, that's over. It's done. There's no well. Come back. Uh, so we have to value life more. And um, the adults, those of us that are parents, those of us that are older brothers and sisters, it's important too that we that we show the significance and, and show that necessity of valuing life. We must value our younger brothers and sisters and as well our children. So it's a, it's a, it's a balancing situation where we must value each other. And I think that on a certain level, there has to be now a time where there is more communication, not through something but between us. Mm. Uh, the one song we used, uh, this kind of technology that came up with, uh, a song called Age of Eternity, mm -hmm. myself and Kimberly uh, Brewer sang um, she did the uh, part on it. We used the technology of doing the various do's and da's, which happens with the, the work of, um, uh, well, the engineer who, who put it on tape, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and um, um, uh, Nathan Watts, who uh, worked with Greg Fillingains as well. You know, okay. Greg, who plays uh, mm -hmm. keyboards, he uh, played on the song. And we used Derek Perkins, who uh, is a programmer that we use for the song. Mm. And um, with uh, with all that, we came up with a way that's unique with this uh, with this uh, song, Edge of Eternity. The song you're hearing in the background there is um, Sensuous Whisper mm. um, that features uh, Anita Baker. She did a little part in it for oh, me. Oh, okay. And um, we also have on that song um, uh, uh, two, uh, two, uh, two great players. Um, Brent from and, uh, and, uh, Yo, check this out. This is Chuck, the public enemy. You are tuned in right here, right now to the library. Keep it locked with Tim Inico right here on rapstation.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. 